Welcome to the TA Disruptors podcast. I'm Robert Newry, CEO and co-founder of Arctic Shores, the task-based assessment company which uncovers potential and helps companies hire for skills rather than experience. We've reached the end of season one, and today I'll be flying solo to round up the insights from our generative AI series, reflecting on the insights from our amazing guests and my thoughts on where we might go next. We started this podcast because we could see that the rapid rise of Gen AI was changing talent acquisition faster than it ever has before. And we wanted to bring you insights from those grappling with and shaping the way forward. I've picked out a number of key moments from our first series, as well as some of the best insights, learnings and takeaways. The starting point to the series was Generative AI had just come onto the scene and TA teams were scrambling to understand what it was, if it would be useful to them. Where would it be useful, even if it would be ethical to use it? And that was even before we thought about the implications of the AI-enabled candidate. Many hoped that it might be a fad, and that there would be plenty of time to work out what its implications might be. The big difference with this technology shift is that new Gen AI tools were coming out as rapidly for candidates as they were for recruiters. For the first time, candidates had access to the same power from technology as recruiters. So in our first episode with senior data scientist Jasper Wolf, we wanted to uncover some of the myths, claims and counterclaims of what candidate access to ChatGPT means for the future of psychometric assessments. We dived into the results of his scientific study on ChatGPT's capabilities to complete assessments, whether from intelligence tests to situational judgment tests and even personality assessments. His research brought to light two major revelations. First, ChatGPT is incredibly easy to use and is just like a calculator. Even in its basic setup, it outperforms the majority of humans in traditional psychometric tests. Second, ChatGPT4, which is behind a paywall, is significantly better than the free version in completing these tests. This raises the concern that once again we have a divide between those with high financial access and those that don't, distorting fair access to jobs. We've looked at four different assessment types. We've looked at traditional assessments, and that's we've used verbal reasoning assessments and numeracy assessments. So these are traditional aptitude assessments. And then we've also looked at situational judgment tests. And then lastly, we've looked at personality assessments, and in particular, question-based personality, uh, sort of self-report surveys. For verbal reasoning, for example, uh, which is the classic format where you have uh, a passage of text giving you some information and then you have to decide whether or not a statement is true, false or cannot say based on uh, that passage of information. And we used to have one of those assessments ourselves. So as a proxy for these types of assessments, generally, we've actually taken our own assessment and we've looked at how vulnerable it is to ChatGPT's input. And what we found is that both ChatGPT3 and GPT4 show above average human performance uh, with a range of prompting styles uh, and even, you know, basic prompting. 
uh, and we've we've published some research about this now. Uh, but basically, with GPT-4 and uh, what's called a chain of thought prompting style, where you give it one example uh, as a reference example, it's able to score better than 98.8% of all candidates wow. who've ever completed our assessment. And this is tested using what's called the API, uh, which is like an, an interface to access the model, which allows you to, to really test it at scale, which was important for us. But I think it's important to emphasize here that uh, we've, uh, it is very easy for candidates to, for example, just scan uh, the image of the text on their phone uh, and input that into uh, the chat GPT app, for example. And as we were referencing, uh, the, the interfaces and the UI for these models is currently very ba uh, bare bones because it's just written by, it's created by a, a group of developers. But as investment starts getting put into these, uh, these models, uh, these user interfaces are going to improve massively to the point where you can just connect it to whatever browser interface that you're, you're completing an assessment on. And I think it's key to note here that uh, Google BARD, which is the Google's version of the large language model, specifically in its instructions is targeting the, uh, the ability uh, to complete or to write cover letters or write CVs. And it's also able to... Uh, uh, to complete a whole range of activities. They're going into education as well, for example. So they're not afraid to build functionality to allow people to start using these models in different ways and use them in actual assessment contexts. And uh, numeracy was one where uh, we have a string of numbers where one of the numbers is missing and you need to work out a pattern for uh, what the missing, what, that, that will lead you to what the missing number is and input that missing number. And that actually, uh, GPT-4 and 3 uh, sort of default, by default, performed below the human baseline. Hmm. However, we found that with the right prompting styles, and these are different prompting styles than were successful for verbal reasoning, the performance was actually uh, sort of at the human average or above average, which is really concerning, especially given that, you know, SIFT points for, for aptitude assessments, you know, are often the 30th or the 50th percentile. So you don't need to be much better than the average human uh, candidate to be able to get through using one of these tools. So following on from that, we looked at, you know, what its overall reasoning ability is and if it's able to reason with uh, sort of everyday workplace scenarios in the format of, of SJTs. And there as well, similar to verbal reasoning, we found really good performance across the board, but also a difference between GPT-3 and GPT-4. So GPT-3 got around 55 to 60% of SJT questions correct, whereas GPT-4 got between 65 and 75% of, of reasoning items correct. And that's a real... Uh, notable difference in GPT-4 is scoring, you know, uh, around the 70th percentile compared to like human test takers, which really shows that these types of assessments of what we thought were critical thinking abilities or reasoning abilities or, or workplace behavior are now feasible to complete using the help of ChatGPT. These revelations and challenging perspectives set the tone for the series. In my conversation with Yasser Ahmad, the Global Vice President of Talent, Mobility and Rewards at HelloFresh, he revealed an unexpected approach to managing change and disruption, which is to welcome new technology as a means of forcing his team to question established views and current processes. He was unequivocal on one fiercely debated topic. 
that candidates using Gen AI to help with their applications is a good thing and should be encouraged. We know that generative AI exists. We know people are going to use it. We don't mind you using it, but we prefer to talk about people's skills and we want people to join us due to our values mm. and that mm-hmm. you know you'll be a part of a culture so it's important to bring your true self and that's part of our, one of our values and that's why during the interview process we will ask you or you would be recommended for you to share you know if there is any topics that you've kind of used gen ai on you know going back to some of the malicious side you want people to use gen ai but there is a there's an automation and efficiency piece yeah. on this that at a click a button you can send 400 applications no. That you're going to be inundated, and no, I'd, I think it's a great problem to have. I'd, <laughs> like someone saying to me, "Hey, you know, you're going to be inundated with CVs." Great, that's my problem to fix now. Yes, interestingly, this perspective, albeit cautiously, is also being taken by Sonia Porson, the director of government skills at the cabinet office. Sonia is responsible for delivering one of the most highly regarded graduate programs in the UK the civil service fastery. Sonia and her team are one step ahead of many TA teams. They are redesigning the selection process to embrace candidate use of Gen AI. Sonia highlighted the careful thought needed to prepare for this change. In particular, how to balance the use of Gen AI by candidates while still maintaining ethical and predictive outcomes. I've, I've, I've read quite a bit recently and had um, loads of discussions with colleagues and peers around, well, should we be looking to deter use? Mm-hmm. Um, should we be looking to introduce kind of remote proctoring into yes. testing? Or, or should we indeed go back to um, traditional met- methods, um, face-to-face, invigilated pencil and, and paper tests, which I don't think, you know, definitely no. not. I, I wouldn't be <laughs> recommending we do that. Um I was actually at a um, event last week and we were inducting um, our new graduates into the civil service and I took the opportunity to just test out and, and um, you know, based on your research where I think it was, you know, 72% yes. of, of applicants suggest they're now exploring using mm-hmm. chat GPT and maybe a fifth of those when they're actually applying for jobs. I thought I'd do a little experiment. So I asked um, a group that I was with to, to just raise their hands if they had used chat G- GPT when applying for um, the, the civil service fast stream. And a bit tentative, I think, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, but eventually most of them did start raising their hands. Um, so it's here. Um, yes. And I think that's what we need to to be really thinking about, okay, then, how do we make best use of Gen AI in the process, like we would do in the workplace? Mm-hmm. So from a skills angle, um, a lot of um, the focus that I have at the moment is um, building digital and data literacy and capability. Right. So if that's what we want and, and we see the, the um, you know, the future of work changing with arguably humans doing more value-added jobs, then we want to be thinking about that through the selection process. So I think definitely um, embracing. I'm, I've am i always been a fan of holistic um, assessments, so kind of triangulating multiple sources, mm. a bit like mm-hmm. the assessment centre method, really, yes. um, multi-method, multi-data points, multi-source, to get the best measure and prediction of um, an individual's potential capability, skills and so on. So I'm, I'm really thinking about that holistic methodology and much more of a move to um, the, the task-based um, 
approach, like I say, in our, our second stage currently in the mm. fast stream selection mm-hmm. process. However, that said, I think it is going to take a little bit of time to, to move fully away from the numerical and verbal and, and situational judgment test. Yes. So, But that's something that, we, we, you know, I think we've got to be really um, thinking about, thinking about and, mm. and, you know, it's not a case of um, sticking our head in the sand and, and hoping it doesn't come or it doesn't happen because it is. Um, and that's why I've been really pleased to see your commitment to research and sharing the research, yes. because I think it is true to say, as practitioners in the field, where we want to hold ourselves up to mm-hmm. to the gold standards, um, we need um, we need the research to be shared. Um, I think there's a, a bit of a gap at the moment um, in, in that area. So I'd be encouraging practitioners, academics to, you know, to make and publish free access research so that we can together kind of move forward and innovate. TA influencer and recruiting brain food curator Hung Lee was also bullish in his view that mass supply technology will revolutionise both sides of the recruitment process. He was also emphatic that it's now a given that candidates will embrace Gen AI tools which will force the hand of every organisation to make adjustments to their recruitment process for good. Now we have sort of situations where, of course, we have candidate usage of uh, generic tools like ChatGPT to create better copy on uh, application forms, uh, uh, resumes, CVs, etc. We also have um, kind of mass supply type technology, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is selling the idea that actually um, here you can automate your applicant your applicant fl- flow from a candidate perspective, um, and you can just set up uh, your criteria, and the uh, the bot will be able to co- uh, apply for jobs on your behalf. Yeah, I saw um, on that one that you you apply while you sleep. Yeah, that's the that's the mantra. Mass apply, thousands of applications out there. One click to do that. Um, and uh, the main difference between this and previous mass supply type technology, because you know if you have a list of emails, you can you can send a big mail merge. Yeah. Difference here is that um, what the technology is allowing candidates to do is to personalize um, these applications. Right. So it's mass supply, um, personalized mass supply um, at scale. And my argument is. Our recruitment processes have been designed for a non-AI enabled candidate. Yes. Um, and are we uh, are, are, have we created systems that can absorb um, AI enabled candidates? I would suggest strongly that no, we haven't. So on the spectrum, um, I think because of all of these grey areas, the, the most important thing that any employer can do is to is to just put invest some time to mm. to, to create a position on that spectrum. Um, and obviously, you know, if they're uh, sensible, they'll be able to absorb information and move move across that spectrum according to how, how, how they wish. Um, uh, but the, the wrong thing to do would be to not have any thought yes. on this um, because you're going to get to a point where your recruiters are not going to be able to interpret what is or is not cheating. Sial Magos, CEO and co-founder of MetaView, focused on the ethical conundrum of AI-driven decision-making. And if AI now exhibits Mensa levels of reasoning capability, is it better placed to make an objective hiring decision? I think there's like some market dynamic aspects to this. Like hiring is, it's not like there's a, there's not necessarily always a buyer and a seller, right? It's a, it's a matchmaking act where you're both partially buying, both partially selling. And that obviously creates a dynamic within that interaction where no one necessarily has the sort of the right to 
impose a certain tool set within that interaction. Now, obviously, that's not totally, because obviously a lot of companies have toolings that they use, but there's still this thing that, hey, you know what? Maybe if this person doesn't want to do X or Y thing, they could still be a great fit, and we should try and get them to join us, you know? Yes. And they have a bit of power. They have a bit of agency there. So I think that's one thing. But I think the most, the by far the most important thing is that it's incredibly when I think about deploying, you know, when I when I have my product manager hat on, I think about deploying a feature. As much as we empathize with our users as much as possible, and um, and whatnot, you know, at, at some point they they appear as numbers in a spreadsheet. And we see how many yes. of those users did we have. Whereas when you're doing the act of hiring, you're really trying to understand that human being in front of you, and they could have spikes of strength here and sort of troughs of weakness here, but that's okay as long as they have these other two strengths. And so the amount of nuance that's involved in understanding is this person is this person going to help my team get where it needs to go, is uh, well, there's just a lot of variables to it. And I think no. no, no up until recently, the technology was not was actually not sophisticated enough to really help me feel like it can help me make a better decision about the person in front of me. And so we relied a lot on our instincts yes. and, you know, uh, much as we try and sort of structure interview process and whatnot, you would still rely on that um, on that instinct and uh, taking the conversation the way you want it to go in order to understand this, this person. What's changed for us specifically? So Metaview's been going for four and a half, five years or so, always focused on how can we enable the people involved in hiring um, run better conversations and make better decisions off the back of them? This was echoed by guest Amanda Pleasant, JLL's Global Talent Sourcing Director. Amanda not only spoke about the need to preserve a human-centric process, but also the need to experiment with Gen AI tools to understand their limitations as much as their leverage. You know, what happens if we take the human piece out too much? Um, you know, I've heard um, some people talk about things or, or ask questions around, you know, what if we do have an AI assess a resume and it automatically pushes them to, you know, meeting with a hiring manager? Or what if we eliminate these steps in the recruitment process? What if we eliminate the phone screen? What if we, you know, where it's like, I do see a lot of perks of that, right? You're again, you're getting the candidate through the process faster. You're creating a better candidate experience because they don't have to go through, maybe they don't have to go through that middle point of having a recruiter. For me, my worry is we just have to be really cautious about keeping the human piece in all of this. Um, as far as for candidate experience, for hiring manager experience, um, to, you know, reduce bias, right? I think in general, you know, humans are are what we need um, in order to make this a more human process. Hiring is a human process. So I think that that would be my, my only concern for it in the future. Amanda also went on to discuss another theme accelerated by digitization, the need for skills-based hiring. And as you know, I'm a passionate advocate for the need to scrap the CV. And skills-based hiring opens the door to achieve this. Which is why I was so glad to see this theme emerging and it will be the main theme for our next series. And finally on this theme, Claudia Nutchens from Global Head of Assessment at AMS is thinking about how certain skill requirements are changing in this AI-enabled age. Her team are readjusting what skills they recommend their clients to measure. Like, you know, a lot of the um, writing and the input on Gen, Gen AI has been don't be too frightened because really all it's going to do is leave us strip back the kind of basic tasks within a role and and all these the more human stuff around into, you know, our relationships with each other, our complex thinking, um, spontaneity, creativity yes. is something that those tools can't do for us now. I mean, I've got to say, I'm not entirely sure that's right, but 
um, I think that's where we are at the moment. So what we are talking about is that, and I could give you many examples, but one of the things that we're really grappling with on behalf of clients at the moment is the drying up of certain skills. Um, right. So we have really, put, um, you know, very difficult talent markets for certain skills, and I'm sure you're, that's not news to you. Yes. And what we're trying to do now is come back with clients with some suggestions for how we can measure what it is that differentiates between a machine and basic skills and that person performing really well and yes. possibly being able to transition to other roles, yes. similar roles in the future. And that's hard. We What we're looking at, because clients come to us saying they want that, mm. but when we probe, there's a, there's a disparity between what they ask us for and then yes. what they really want. Yes. So we have a one of our questions around this whole skills based, you know, around the Gen I thing is, you know, how far forward do you want us to think? Yes. Or do you want us to think about assessing for the jobs you've got open tomorrow? Yes. And and that's and that's a big topic. In fact, I was just writing we're writing a product for our early careers team to take to the clients about advising them about how to deal with this in the early career space early talent space and that's one of the considerations is where are you setting your sights do you want to solve for now or do you want to solve for the future because that's that's a big question claudia also shared how ams are re-evaluating what we mean by high performance in an ai enabled world yes what we're seeing is everything on a spectrum from People literally, I had a client meeting last week where the client said, sorry, what? Right. Hadn't even occurred to them. Right. To clients who are going, sorry, stop everything. We are not continuing with this. Okay, so we've got that. Yes. Panic, absolute yes. like head, headless mm -hmm. chicken panic mm -hmm. to completely ignoring it. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do is get that middle ground. So what we're trying to do is really start to say to people, right, is Gen I something you're going to be using in your organisation? Yes. Is it going to be used as part of these jobs? Yes. It's not cheating. Why is it cheating? Yes. It's no, no, it's no different to, you know, a graduate asking their mum to help them with their application yes. form. Or not a calculator. Really, or a calculator. Yeah. Learning and experimenting was also a tip from Sonia, who brought together analysts, data scientists and psychologists to experiment with a new algorithm to reduce their internal posting process, a task they reduced by 10 working days. I think yes. in government, you know, we, we have, for, for good reason, um, lengthy procurement um, and commercial processes. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes we'd like to move quicker, but a good way of trying to test out some things quite quickly can be by developing um, internal teams, having a kind of sandbox, if you like, right. to, to kind mm -hmm. of try out new ways of doing things. Um, actually, moving away from a selection and an assessment piece, um, but we the way that we manage our postings for the graduates um, is, is quite complex. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any one time there are over 2,000 um, graduates on a scheme right. and they move each year to a new posting and we've built in some algorithms to to speed up that process um what we'll look what we, we've found at the moment is that the um the algorithm is um 
is as good as a human in terms of weighing up all of the preferences, the particular bespoke L&D requirements. So um, we're still testing that out at the moment, but that's an example of where we can test out something. Um, there's a human kind of QA check in place, but that actually is much quicker. So that's, um, you know, taken kind of 10 working days of, of our postings process, which is great. And then we can start to explore, okay, so how could we apply that kind of methodology in, you know, perhaps in a in a test context? But yes. I think the principle that I go back to is, you know, let's not incorporate a methodology into making a hiring decision unless we know that we can, you know, we're confident in terms of the reliability and the validity. Hung also referenced how Gen AI will cause a de-skilling and reskilling in talent acquisition. Remember when phone outreach was crucial for recruiters? Well, now it's all about digital and prompting skills. The any kind of um, technology innovation is an act of de-skilling. Um, uh, and we shouldn't be horrified at this. It's simple. This is what technology is there to do. It's there to basically make it more accessible to more people um, without having deep skills in order to do this one thing. Um, you know, I do not know how to to, to create a fire, yeah. um, right? Um, but probably if I have a bunch of matches or a lighter, I can light something, that's great. Um, uh, that's probably a benefit to society that I, that I do not need uh, to know how uh, to, to start a fire. Yeah. Um, so similar to um, uh, the uh, this technology innovation will be a huge de-skilling um, uh, impact on the recruitment sector, um, but it will also require a reskilling in the sense that maybe the time that we have freed up need to be applied to other things that we need to to get more skillful on mm. that's not unusual for this industry um uh, you know for the older heads out there that were recruiting pre-internet um uh, you know the phone was the main sort of tool of, of choice if you're recruiting um the best recruiters were great phone workers um uh, internet comes along and you know that's a the, the relevancy of the phone work goes down compared to being able to use the internet. Mm. This is a similar moment. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what skills um, kind of uh, uh, will, how, how the, 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 the kind of the core skills that we value in recruiters will be reshuffled. My last point, and one of the most diversive topics to emerge from the series, is whether candidates using ChatGPT to help with an application is cheating or not. Hung highlighted that this has to be addressed and it's not something that will simply go away. I think the awareness is growing um, and I think the, uh, the the recruitment industry is kind of wrestling with the... It's, it's still a topic of debate as to where uh, the use of artificial intelligence from the candidate's side is either permissible or not. You know, what yes. does it actually mean? Um, so that's still an ongoing kind of discourse that we're having. Um, and I think we haven't resolved that. And it's going to take us some time to, to get to a consensus. Um, but I think in the meantime, as we're wrestling with the philosophical side of it, uh, the, the practical sort of uh, uh, situation will probably force our hand. Because what will happen is that we will see... Uh, an increase of the number of applications per role for every role. Mm. Um, and it will become increasingly difficult for a human recruiter to give all of those applicants due due service. Um, and in fact, it'd be difficult for, for those to identify, you know, a, a, a serious application compared to one that was supported heavily by AI. Yes. Um, if indeed that's something that the, the, uh, the employer cares about. So I think... 
the philosophical debate is probably not going to be resolved, uh, but our hand will be forced uh, on a practical side because if this tsunami does occur, um, then that's going to force some really quick decisions that we might need to make that aren't necessarily backed by any great philosoph- philosophy other than we can't handle this. Yes. Uh, we've got to do something about it. Um, yeah, and that will, that will prompt action. I wanted to end on this point because it's something I've become quite passionate about in terms of how we, in TA, think about Gen AI. If you've listened to all of our episodes, you'll have heard that the pioneers all view Gen AI as largely a positive development, one to be embraced, not deterred. These pioneers are changing their processes. Deterring and detecting is not how they see the way forward. You have to redesign. Not everyone agrees on this, and it's a topic that will continue to be debated throughout this year. We'll be sharing how companies can address this through their career pages. But doing nothing is not an option, as it leaves candidates confused and worse, enables a divide to occur between those who get support in its use and those who don't. That's it for the summary. Thank you so much for listening to our first season of the TA Disruptors podcast, and hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Keep an eye out for season two, which will shortly be launched in the coming weeks. And this time round, we'll be talking about the future of hiring and how skills-based hiring could help with some of recruitment's biggest challenges in 2024. If you have any questions you want us to answer or feedback you'd like to give us, please hop on to the Arctic Shores LinkedIn page and let us know. And as always, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please share and rate the podcast. It helps more people like you find us. Thank you.